You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Right before halftime, we called a quarterback draw, and, uh, you know, I ran in like a five-yard touchdown. And How many of those did you legs. run? Yeah. <laughs> Not very many. <laughs> that was the only one I ran, I think, that whole year. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Cura. That's Grey yeah. Cup me, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hook! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm Travis Cura. Brazilian Thai is here, and we've got a special episode of the podcast this week, or like Andrew from the Turf District would say, a spepisode. First time I've ever said that. It sounds all right, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Joining us this week, four-time Grey Cup champion, 63,000 career passing yards, Ricky Ray and Ty, you were telling me. I can't me, believe I can't believe you left out the fan choice award winner <laughs> in 2013. 2003. We will. Uh, or, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, it was 03 in Regina. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, both were great cups. We're in Regina. Yeah. We'll get to that story with Ricky. Oh. But Ty, you were telling me off the air that Ricky Ray, when you were a kid, was appointment viewing. Man. Yeah. Um, so I grew up. Well. The, the wrong side of Highway 16. <laughs> um, the north side, baby. Yeah. It, it wasn't as bad as it is now. Uh, <laughs> but, like, next door to me was a World War II veteran. The other side uh, was uh, an older an old couple that had moved into town off the farm. Uh, Jays and CFL. Ned always watched. Ned watched every Jays game and every CFL game. It didn't matter who was playing. The, there was an older lady across the street, and all of her kids were were Eskimo fans or Elks fans uh, at the time. And yeah, that was rookie Ricky Ray. It was the talk of the neighborhood. Whenever that's uh, awesome, you know, going helping mow lawns or doing whatever. And it, yeah, it was if the Elk, if the Eskimos were playing, it, it was there was nobody to talk to. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, and, and as a kid, I I didn't even know about the NFL when I was that age, really. Until I got really sick one day, and all of a sudden I was home on a Sunday, and oh, what's this? Yeah, and I just stumbled on the NFL. It was Grandpa watched every CFL. It was just one of those things. And yeah, Ricky Ray was the guy you watched, and and like we brought it up too. Like it was kind of a golden age, uh, or one of when you, you have Ray or uh, Cavio and Burris. Like I mean, the three quarterbacks that kind of defined the era and I can't believe we actually got one of them. <laughs> Our thanks go to the double E alumni for helping us set up this interview to talk to Ricky way, Ray. We started kind of getting the irons in the fire before the hall of fame announcements. Mm-hmm. So him going in in September and talking to us, that that's pretty cool and pretty cool timing that we got and we this held set it up. together. We didn't fanboy too hard. Yeah. <laughs> This episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. 
Park Power is owned by Chris Kozowski, who has a growing and well-deserved reputation for being a guy who cares. So if you're in the Edmonton area, hey, if you see the guy walking around with that slick bow tie, supporting local causes and boosting local business, he walks that talk with Park Power. By sharing their profits with local charities and as a new customer, you can choose a community partner to receive 10% of the proceeds from your electricity bill like the CKUA Radio Network, Muscular Dystrophy Canada, or the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society. Visit parkpower.ca slash CKUA to find out more. And joining the show this week is one of the newest members of the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. I guess it will be made official in September. Ricky Ray, thanks for coming on the Two and Out CFL podcast, and congrats on getting the call to the Hall. Yeah, man, what a what a great honor that is. Uh, definitely excited, and like you said, I can't wait till September uh, to go through the whole induction process and. Um, it's been a lot of fun. You know, they announced it uh, last Tuesday and um, been getting a lot of good messages from old teammates and coaches and friends and family. So uh, it's been a lot of fun to to share that news with them. When you get inducted into a Hall of Fame, I imagine it's a very reflective moment where it kind of represents your whole football journey right from, you know, five, six years old, whenever you were playing up until now, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I started playing um, youth football, Pop Warner, when I was—I think I was eight years old. So, wow, uh, it's been quite the quite the journey for me. Um, and a lot of, like I said, I mean, a lot of a lot of great people um, who influenced me along the way, helped me out. Um, you know, a lot of great memories, a lot of a lot of adversity as well. I mean, that sports is uh, the highs and the lows of the game, and um, I definitely look back on my career and it was very fulfilling. It had a little bit of everything it seemed like. So, um, now that I've been retired for a few years, um, I've been able to reflect on it a little bit more and just kind of appreciate my time, um, uh, you know, playing and, you know, all the people that have, that have helped me along the way. When you get a call from Matt Dunnigan, are you thinking, Oh, I don't know if I want to be on the panel. <laughs> or did, did you know something was up? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't think he was calling me to to be on the panel, but um, I, I knew something was up. I knew they were they were going to be making the announcement um, for this this year's class, and I knew mm. um, I was I was eligible. So I think deep down, I was just kind of hoping that's what this call was for, and um. He's he started making a little bit of small talk with me, so we we just chatted for a few minutes, and then then he finally broke the news to me. And um, that's cool. Yeah, I mean it was quite a quite a call. I mean to get it from Matt Dunnigan, you know, one of the great CFL greats, um, was pretty cool. I feel like small talk with Matt Dunnigan would be football or barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's what it was about. Really, other than other than the barbecue, but uh, yeah. he was talking football and um, you know a little bit about what I'd been up to, what he'd been up to this off season, and um, yeah, once he once he got into the to the Hall of Fame talk, yeah, um, yeah it was it was pretty special. So, born in California, you go to Sacramento State. Like, I'm sure there wasn't a whole lot of CFL coverage 
south of the border? Like, what did you know about the CFL before arriving in Edmonton? Yeah, not a whole lot. Um, you know, it's funny because Sacramento, which is only a couple hours, few hours away from where mm-hmm. I lived here in Reading, um, had a team. And I remember them having a team. Um, but, you know, obviously I grew up watching the NFL and, and all those games are te- televised. I'm a big 49er fan and um, didn't really get to watch much of the Canadian League. I didn't really start thinking about it too much until um, until I was finishing up my my career at Sacramento State. Um, a couple of our guys, um, you know, Charles Roberts went up there, had a great career. He was our running back at Sacramento mm-hmm. State. Um, Rylan Wickman, I think, also played in, in Winnipeg. Um, so a few guys had gone up there. And uh, once I kind of got out of Sacramento state and was trying to figure out, you know, what opportunities I had to, to keep playing uh, the CFL, you know, started uh, resonating with me a little bit more knowing, um, knowing that it was an option to, to have a chance to go up there and play. And then I, I actually got invited to the 49er training camp and Jeff Garcia was the starting quarterback there. And I, you know, learned, learned and knew a little bit about his career playing in Canada um, so that's kind of when it really started to, to hit home with me. It was when I was, uh, finishing up college and, and looking for opportunities to play professionally. What ended up being your favorite thing about playing in the CFL other than the opportunity to play and be on the field and continue playing football? Yeah. I mean, there, there were a lot of great things. I mean, that was one, you know, having the opportunity to play, um, two was, uh, you know, it's, it's a very fun league for a quarterback. I mean, you're not just sitting there handing the ball off and, you know, relying on a run game. I mean, you're, you're throwing the football, you know, there's, there's a lot of pressure on, on quarterback play in the CFL with, with the three downs in the bigger field. Um, so that was a lot of fun, uh, you know, being able to, to throw the ball a lot. Um, and just kind of the, the, the small um, feel of it. I mean, just with the fans access to it, um, you know, and, and kind of the college feel of the stadiums and just, just, you know, that whole, um, I guess, atmosphere that the CFL has and, and the, the history, I mean, the history of the CFL goes back a long ways. And, you know, when I got to Edmonton, um, you know, they do a great, that's what the organization does a great job of really showing you the history of, of that franchise and the history of the CFL and all the great players and teams that came through that organization. And you get to see, man, this, this game has meant a lot to, to Canada over the years. And uh, it just makes you feel like you want to be a part of something that's been around that long and um, has such a, a rich tradition. And, um, you know, that was, that was definitely one of the parts I was, I was happy to, to be a part of. When you mentioned fan access, that's probably a, a fan's favorite part to the CFL. And I'm going to try to share <laughs> screen here and show you a picture that you took with me at the 2016 Grey Cup. Uh, <laughs> let's see if this thing works. Uh, so I've got two beers in my hand. You've got one beer. <laughs> and it's at the Spirit of Edmonton. And I just thought, I think that's the most beautiful part about the CFL is that... <laughs> Yeah, that's oh, the last yeah. time I shaved my beard yeah. too. <laughs> oh my gosh! So yeah, I mean that's it's it's great. I love that, it. It's fun. I mean, yeah. I mean, um, you know, it, it started when I got to Edmonton. I mean, we, you know, having the fan days and stuff during training camp. Um, you know, having the fans come down during training camp, and you know, they're right there to to talk with you and introduce themselves. Uh, you know, after practices and. 
And then uh, just um, Edmonton did a great job of, of allowing you to kind of be out in the community. Um, mm. You know, there's lots of opportunities for us to go out and uh, sign autographs and go to different events and, um, you know, Monday morning magic. Um, we had read and week, um, all sorts of things that, um, you know, you're able to do and kind of feel, feel a part of that, that city. And, um, you know, that's what I in, enjoyed about the CFL was just, you know, having a chance to kind of be out there and, 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 you know, being a part of the town you played for. So I heard this story about you and it's not bad. It is from a great cup in 2003 in Regina, uh, that you had missed the player shuttle back to the hotel and ended up riding with the fans. <laughs> is that, I think that's beautiful. Did that actually happen? <laughs> yeah, it did. So, uh, yeah, 2003, Grey Cup in Regina. And, um, you know, I'm going to the award show and, um, you know, they're handing out all the awards. I think Anthony Calvillo won the MOP that year. And I ended up winning. I think it was, it might have been the first year, a pretty new award. It was kind of like the People's Choice Award. Oh, okay. And, um, it was like, I think they voted on that all throughout the season. And I think I ended up winning that, um, uh, the majority of the season. And so I got the award at the, at the award ceremony. And I remember taking pictures after the award ceremony and everybody's got their big old MOP trophies, you know, all Canadian trophy, best offensive line. Then I've got this little small people's choice trophy. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) And then uh, after the thing, I um, I don't know what happened. I was just doing interviews, and by the time I came out of all the interviews and stuff, like all the transportation had gone, like all the <laughs> wow. all the cars that were driving the players or whatever. So um, me and I think it was Dave Jameson and my wife were like, "Man, how do we get back to the hotel?" So I guess the bus was coming. So we all ran down and, and hopped on on the city bus and uh, just rode the city bus back to the hotel. So, and I mean, that's, that's a great point of what the CFL is like. I mean, yeah. um, you know, there are times where, um, you know, you're just out there. I mean, you're, it's not like the high profile where, you know, you've got your police escort in a bus yeah. and, you know, they're taking you everywhere. And um, sometimes you, you just get out there and, and you're in the community. Another funny story was, um, after the, in the 05 Grey Cup in, um, in Vancouver, we would go to the stadium the day before the game and do our final walkthrough. And then we'd have all the media stuff. And of course, you know, being a quarterback, um, you know, I got caught up doing a bunch of media yeah. and the team, the team bus left cause they don't want to, you know, keep the whole team waiting for the last couple of guys. And so I remember finishing up my media and I went out and I saw Hugh Campbell and um we i was like you you know did the team bus leave already yeah oh yeah the bus left and i was like okay how should i get back to the hotel and instead of you think he would be like hey let me get you a cab or let's call somebody he goes oh if you just walk across the stadium you can catch the train and it goes back downtown by by the hotels And so I'm like, okay. So, you know, of course I walk over there and catch the train and ride it back downtown and walk back Hope to the hotel. The so, um, yeah, those are the, the great stories of, of being able to play in the CFL. And, and even my last, even my time in Toronto, 
um, you know, we're only, we only get one parking spot at the stadium. Oh. So I let my wife bring the kids in later for the game. So I let her use my parking pass. And so I would ride the go train from, wow. uh, from um, Clarkson all the way into, into Toronto um, to the, to BMO. And, um, you know, I just get on the train like everybody else and put my headphones in and stare out the window and enjoy the 30 minutes to the game. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. So kind of on the theme of story time, December 11th, 2011. What, what do you remember about that day? Yeah. Um, I think, uh, or 2012, right. Uh, or was it no 2011? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 2011. Um, I remember we were driving, my wife and I were driving and, um, we were down visiting her sister in the Bay area here in California. And, um, Cavis called Cavis Reed, our head coach. And, uh, she handed me the phone and he basically was just like, Hey, you know, we're, we're trading you to Toronto. And, um, I just, I mean, I, there's nothing I really had to say. I was like, okay. I mean, you know, I wasn't going to sit there and argue with him about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was pretty, pretty surprised, especially because, um, we had such a good year in 2011. Uh, we, and we got off to a great start. I think we we're a five and out start. We kind of hit a rough patch in the middle, but got things squared away and we made it to the, to the West final that year. Um, and so I was thinking, man, you know, we, we've had a couple, you know, up and down years and now we're kind of, you know, turning things around a little bit. We have a good team. We're right there knocking on the door to get into the great cup. Uh, things are looking good. And then to get that call from Cavis and, and say, Hey, you know, we don't want you a part of the, the organization anymore. was, was definitely surprising. And, uh, you know, a little bit of a shock at the time. Yeah. And I mean, it, it kind of sent shockwaves through the league too, right? Like it was, it was like a blockbuster at the time. It was, it was a crazy situation. Yeah. I mean, um, it, it's funny how fast it happened too. Cause mm-hmm. I, I had no idea until I got that call. Um, and it seemed like, man, it, like a few days later I was in Toronto up in the, the CN tower and wow. doing this big press conference of, you know, Ricky Ray's newest member of the Argo. And um, yeah, so I got the call a few days later, I flew all the way from California to Toronto, did the announcement, did a bunch of media and flew back home. So within the span of like four or five days, I had, you know, just gotten traded from a place I'd been for nine years and introduced in, in Toronto. And now I was, you know, part of that franchise and um, it just happened so fast. So I'm just thankful it happened kind of early in the off season. So I had some months to kind of, you know, prepare for that a little bit. Um, if it would have been, you know, mid season or, you know, even right before training camp, it would have been a little bit more difficult, but uh, it gave me, gave me some months to kind of prepare for it and just get my mindset right. You know, um, you know, I kind of looked at it as just kind of a fresh start to my career and, you know, I had to go prove myself all over again to, you know, some new teammates and coaches and a new organization and new fans. And, um, you know, that was uh, not to say stressful or anything, but just, you know, kind of exciting and and nervous at the same time of, uh, you know, kind of starting all over again. What I can't believe it's been 10 years. Well, coming up in November since that Grey Cup championship, the 100th. What what stands out to you when you think about that 2012 team? Yeah, um, man, we were just uh, trying to find ourselves, it seemed like, for that first, you know, half or three quarters of the season. Uh, you know, we were – I was in a new – with a new team. Um, 
new division. Scott Milanovic's first year as as his first time head coach. Um, you know, some new players. We were just trying to figure things out, and um, we finally did. I think we went to um, Regina and beat beat uh, beat Saskatchewan sometime in in October, I think, and got a big win there to kind of seal our our playoff spot. And I think that just gave us a lot of confidence. I think we were like, hey, okay, we're starting to figure things out. And um, and then, you know, it was we're playing the team that I that just traded me, you know, in the first round of the playoffs. Edmonton's crossing over. And so I kind of had that on my mind of, you know, we'd already lost to them two times during the regular season. And I don't want to lose to them again. And in the playoffs, I mean, yeah. after they just traded me, I mean – you know, I want to at least make him feel bad for trading me a little bit. And uh, so going into that game, um, you know, I definitely was had a lot on my mind and, and definitely wanted to win that game pretty badly. And uh, we put on a, just a, an explosive second quarter there. Uh, Chad Owens, I think, had a had a punt return that really set things off and we big defensive turnover. And and then um, right before halftime, we called a quarterback draw and uh you know, I ran in like a five-yard touchdown, and how many of those did my you legs. run? Yeah, <laughs> not very many. <laughs> that was the only one I ran, I think, that whole year. And wow. um, you know, just to to be able to get that W, you know, a playoff win after you got traded um, against your old team, um, was a big confidence booster for us, and uh, really kind of uh, slingshotted us into the to the East final against Montreal. And that's, I guess, part of the beauty about the CFL. It's an 18-game season, so you got all season to sort of figure it out. You were a 500 team, but then the last two games, you beat the Riders, you win uh, against uh, Edmonton at home, and then going into Montreal, uh, 50,000 yeah. fans. Now, when, when I think about that era of CFL football, I think of Ricky Ray, Henry Burris, Anthony Calvillo. How big was it to go into Montreal and beat Anthony Calvillo in the East final to go to the Grey Cup? Yeah, I mean, that was uh, obviously a huge game. I mean, they, um, you know, they had won two Grey Cups um, back to back. I think was that 09 and, and 2010. Uh, they were playoff we, team. We don't and, like and, talking about those ones too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 2011. <laughs> so, I mean, they, they, I mean, really my whole career from when I started in 2002 all the way to that point in 2012, I mean, Montreal was yeah. was the team. I mean, they mm-hmm. were, you know, Anthony Calvillo, I think he went to, you know, I don't know how many great cups, a ton of great cups. Oh, Every yeah. year it seemed like he was taking his team and, um, you know, definitely going in there. Um I could kind of lean on my experience back in 2008 when I was with Edmonton and we crossed over and played Montreal in the East final um, at that same stadium. We ended up losing a close game there, but um, kind of knew what to expect a little bit uh, going into that game. And uh, we just found a way to win. I mean, we, uh, you know, very scrappy game against them. Um, Chad Kacker had some big runs. Um, we had a couple other big plays that that got us some great field position. I think we got stopped on third and goal uh, one time. Uh, had a couple turnovers, so we didn't play our best game, but we we found a way to to get the win in, in a tough environment against a good football team. And um, you know that's what you got to do sometimes, even when you're not playing your best, is find a way to win. And, and we were able to do that. So 
you mentioned going to tough environments like the Big O and the East Final in 2012. Uh, probably every time you had to play Calgary, Saskatchewan, stuff like that, it always appeared like nothing really phased you when you were on the field. Uh, like, is that a skill? Or like, can you develop that? Or like, where does that come from? And were there times that you were absolutely losing it and, and you were just able to keep it inside? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that's definitely part of my personality. I feel most comfortable when I, I'm a little bit more even keel. Um, try not to let things, you know, bother me too much or try not to get too excited about things. Um, even though I'm still feeling all those same feelings inside, um, I'm just not showing it or I'm trying to kind of keep it under control. Um, yeah, that, that helped me. That helped, I felt like that helped me play the best that I could play, um, was, was kind of treating things that way. And, um, you know, it's not that I wasn't nervous or, um, not excited when we scored or anything like that. I just knew that, um, a football game is made up of of multiple moments. So even though you score a big touchdown in the first quarter, I knew there was still a lot of game left to play. So I wanted to stay focused and kind of in the moment uh, throughout the whole game. And that's why I guess I, I tried to stay even keel and, and not let my emotions uh, get the most of me in those situations. And um, I just found that that's what allowed me to play my best. And I noticed that, um, you know, just throughout playing lots of games, um, you know, throughout my lifetime. And, um, you know, when I get nervous or I, or I get focused, I get really quiet, even quieter than I normally am. And uh, that's just how I handled those nervous situations. And, um, uh, we're, we're all right for me, I think. Yeah, I think it did have uh, four <laughs> great cups as a starting quarterback. Uh, the 100th, I want to revisit something that stands out to me when I see the pictures with you holding that great cup. I think we can call it now. You've got an iconic mustache going on. <laughs> <laughs> What's the story behind the stash? Yeah, so, um, well, you, we've all heard of the playoff beard. And then yeah. for a while there, they were doing, um, it was kind of like a men's health thing. November. In November. Yeah. yeah, November. So it kind of turned into guys started growing mustaches, one for the playoffs and, and two for November. And uh, so, you know, it just started happening, started growing mustaches. And, um, you know, 2012, um, you know, we had a lot of guys on the team, you know, growing, growing those stashes <laughs> out. And, uh, you know, I just went with it, you know, went with the, the moment there. And, um, yeah, it's funny that to look back because throughout my career people are going to be like man every time you won a great cup you had this funny mustache going on what, what was that all about so that would be a good story to tell yeah <laughs> uh, yeah i i love that i remember attending that great cup and it was the last one in the sky dome you know fifty five thousand people there was did you find there was any extra pressure or even just you know hyping up the game just because it was the 100th game um not not really extra pressure i mean i felt nervous and pressure just because it was a great cup yeah um it was just it would make it more special to win it i think was kind of the mindset was like man you know we've got a chance to win the 100th great cup at home you know, in, in front of most of our fans and our home stadium um, in the city we play. I mean, just how cool of a story yeah. would that be, you know? Um, so that was kind of 
my mindset going into that game. And um, it was just a really, I mean, great cups are, are weird games anyways, just because of the time difference. Like ah. it's a long introduction. You're in the locker room for a long time after warmups. Um, then you get out there and then they have, you know, an extended national anthem. And it's just, it just feels like you're just waiting around forever. Mm-hmm. And those yeah. are the worst, worst times I found as an athlete is, the waiting, like game day waiting, you're, you know, we play a lot of our games in the CFL, you know, in the evenings. And so yeah. you're waking up in the morning and you're kind of feeling those nervous butterflies all throughout the day until you get to the evening game. So in the gray cup, that's even extent. And then, I mean, once you normally as a player, once you get out there, you go through warmups and then the first kickoff goes, those nervous butterflies kind of go away because you're in the game, you're in the flow of the game. But until that happens, you know, you're, you're waiting for, you're anticipating what's going to happen. And so with that great cup, it's like, you're waiting around forever. And um, it was just, I, I remember after that game or and during that game, it was just like, I kept having this weird feeling of like, it just, just never felt like you could get into a rhythm. You can, mm. couldn't really get into the flow of the game. And um, yeah, when I look back on that, that, that was just kind of a weird part of that game for me. And, I mean, I threw an interception first play of the game, so maybe maybe that had something to do with it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was just, like I said, a great story. I mean, um, just everything, you know, getting traded. Yeah. Beating the, beating the team in the playoffs that, um, that just traded me. Beating Montreal in Montreal, you know, the, t- the, you know, the team that's been the best there for, for a long time. Then winning the great – I mean, you couldn't have – you know, scripted out that year for me any better. I mean, with, with all the storylines that, that kind of went through that. And I think um, a lot of guys on our team felt the same way. I mean, Kat, Chad Cackert, right. Like getting his opportunity to, to replace Corey Boyd that year and then having the mm. impact he had, you know, on, on us. And, um, you know, Scott Milanovic getting his first, I mean, just a lot of guys on the team that kind of had the similar kind of feelings that I had of, of what a, a storyline it was for them and their careers. And um, the cool thing too, is we had a lot of, a lot of veteran guys that have been playing there in Toronto, a lot of local guys that that grew up in, in Ontario that were, you know, playing, playing for that great cup. And uh, to be able to win, it was just uh, an amazing story for all of us. I guess I just want to ask you quickly too, about that 2017 great cup. you you were part of some memorable ones. The hundredth one was big just because it was the hundredth. Mm-hmm. And then that last one in Ottawa, the 105th, the snow. I, yeah. I, I don't think you were able to watch the halftime show, Shania Twain coming out <laughs> on the dogs and stuff, but coming from California, did you ever see games as a kid? I don't know. Green Bay, Chicago in the snow thinking, whoa, that will be cool to play in one day yeah i mean as a kid you always wanted that i mean whenever it was raining outside you wanted to go out and play football yeah. <laughs> because it was fun right you get to mm-hmm. slosh around in the mud and we didn't get a lot of snow here in, in california but yeah whenever it snowed it was like the best day of the year because we we rarely got it but as you're playing and you're a quarterback man you you do not want those games you know right. you want <laughs> you want it to be nice no wind good temperature that's why playing in the hundredth grade cup in 2012 in the dome was so nice. Um, so I remember, um, you know, practicing that week and, um, you know, the, it was cold and, you know, we were just kind of thinking, you know, hopefully it's not too windy. We had a couple of practices where, um, or the, 
the one practice we practiced actually at the stadium, it was a little windy that day. And, you know, my arm strength was, was pretty lacking at that point in my career, just with some of the injuries I had. And, um, you know, I was just kind of hoping it wasn't going to be too windy of a day. And, um, and then we come out for warmups and it is just snowing. I mean, it's a blizzard (laughs) out there. Like, where did this come from? And it's funny because, Throughout my whole career, 2002 to that point in 2017, I don't think I've ever played in a game like that. And right. um, I remember a couple games um, where maybe it, it snow flurried for, you know, a quarter or something, but never got on the field like that. And um, I played in obviously a lot of cold, you know, cold, rainy, windy yeah. games, but to have a complete snow, I mean, that was the first time in my career I'd ever been in that. So, wow. um, it was, took a little bit of adjusting to get used to it, like throwing and, and warm ups and stuff, like just the way the snow was falling and the lights from the stadium, it was just kind of a different visual, uh, aspect out there and, and just trying to get used to that in the game. Um, I felt like the footing was pretty good. I know a lot of guys on our team kind of changed up some of their footing at halftime. I felt like I was having good, good footing the whole game. Um, throwing wasn't too bad. Um, it was just more of the, the, the visual optics of the snow and the lights. That was the hardest thing to get used to and staying warm. I mean, it was, it was cold and trying to stay warm on the sideline and, you know, keep, keep from getting too cold. I mean, when you're playing out there playing, you're staying warm. It's just the the standing on the sideline that, that kind of cools you off. I, I did hear you chatting on 630 Ched with Reed Wilkins last week. And uh, you had mentioned that maybe in Toronto, after some injuries, you had to adjust your throwing style a little bit. Is that sort of like a, maybe a pitcher uh, in baseball later in their career where they don't have the same 100-mile fastball anymore was that sort of the same for you as a quarterback yeah so um you know I definitely my my strength was never arm strength um you know I'm I'm more of a touch passer um I felt like that's probably why I threw the corner out so well was you know there's just so much room I could put there some air under the ball and and let the receivers go make the plays and so I, I would say um you know throughout my career my max range was probably like 53 yards, not very far at all, mm. uh, where most guys are thrown at, you know, 60, 65. And then you get Kerry Joseph and yeah. <laughs> some of those guys are thrown at like, I, so we, Damon Allen used to have a quarterback challenge. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, I remember going there down in Hamilton and went there for a couple of them. And uh, I always hated when the, <laughs> the long distance challenge part came up. Cause I knew I was going to be nowhere close. So I would, you know, throw my little softy out there about 50 yards. And, you know, I'm trying to put everything in it. It's, it's yeah. only going 50 <laughs> yards. I mean, Kerry Joseph and I think Michael Bishop, you know, they're, I mean, they're throwing it like 85 yards. Wow. And it's just like, holy smokes. I wonder what that would be like. <laughs> so uh, so I, I never had the strongest arm, but I had enough to, to make most of the throws. And 2013 against Calgary, um, I got hit with my kind of my arm up and when I landed in the, in the ground with um, Charleston on my back, um, just pain in my arm. Mm. And uh, so I went in, I, I mean, I couldn't, I mean, my arm was hurting so bad I couldn't even really throw. And so I missed some time there. And I mean, I, for 
you know, a month there. I mean, it, it was just this severe pinching every time I, I tried to throw the football. And so I got some shots and tried a bunch of different things and finally was able to throw, but it, it would be this process where I'd have to go out and warm up and I'd have to throw like 60 balls just for the pain to go away. Oh, wow. And so it was this long, painful warm up to where finally my arm would just, you know, the pain would just shut off and I could actually throw again. So I finished 2013 season, um, going through that. I mean, not, not a lot of fun. 2014 or going into the off season, I just decided to rehab it. 2014, it was a little bit better. You know, I didn't have to warm up as much for the the pain to go away, but I just, I just couldn't throw it. Like, um, you know, I just loss of velocity, loss of distance. And so I made it through 2014. I said, man, I got to get, got to get this looked at and get, and get surgery on it. So I got surgery that off season and missed, you know, pretty much the whole season of 2015. So for the last part and, and a couple playoff games. And it was just when I, when I was coming back from that surgery, like, man, I could, you know, and I first started throwing, I mean, I couldn't even throw it 10 yards and then you'd go a couple of weeks of that. And then, you know, slowly kind of building it back up and, but it never got to a point where, you know, I could throw it, you know, even 50 yards again. I mean, if yeah. I could throw it 50 yards, it would be, you know, one out of 10 throws that I could get at 50 yards. Most of the time, um, the consistency wasn't there either. You know, I would, I mean, it was embarrassing sometimes guys like in practice, um, I dropped back to throw a corner route that I've thrown a million times in my career and, and I'd go to throw and it would just come out end over end and, you know, be t- five or 10 yards short. I mean, that's embarrassing to have that happen. <laughs> uh, but thankfully I had some, some great coaches and GMs who, you know, were willing to kind of uh, work with me on that and kind of tailor the game plans to, um, you know, call plays where I could make those throws and, um, you know, play to my strengths a little bit better. So, um, 2017 rolls around and, you know, Trustman, you know, called me and said, you know, Hey, I want, want you to be my quarterback in Toronto. And I was like, man, my arm's not the same. I can't all the intermediate stuff. I feel good on, but the deep stuff I'm not, I'm not great with. And, um, he said, that's fine. We'll, we'll work, work with you. And, um, the funny thing is though, is in the gray cup that year, we set the record for the longest great yeah. cup. Yeah. <laughs> With, uh, I forget how many, a hundred yard pass to the yeah. Posey. Um, you know, it's probably one of the best throws I, I threw in the great cup that year. And, um, just funny how that worked out. I forget the original question you asked me. I'm sorry about that. Cancer, no, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Just arm strength. I mean, it was tough. Um, really from 2013 on was just inconsistent. Um, just, Hard grind uh, trying to go out there and, and throw the football. Nowadays, what, what are you doing to keep busy? Like, I mean, you had a routine as a quarterback. Or yeah. Every day you had something to do. Now now what? Is a coaching buddy yeah, here? It's been pretty easy for me. Like, um, I'm, not a, I'm not a busy person in a sense that I feel like I got to be out doing something like hmm. working-wise. So that's been good. I knew I, when I when – I, retired from football. I wanted to take some time off and, uh, you know, just be able to enjoy some things that I didn't get to do playing, you know, every, while you're playing, you're always worried about like, ah, I shouldn't do that. Or, mm-hmm. you know, that might be a little bit dangerous. Plus you're playing, you know, throughout the summer and 
you know, you don't get to do all the things that you would normally do in the summertime. So I knew I wanted to take that time to enjoy some of those things. So I'm still enjoying that part of this phase of my life. And um, like last, a few days ago, I went backpacking into the Trinity Alps wilderness here uh, close to Redding and, you know, went fishing and stayed the night and hiked around a lot. Um, You know, I've been taking my girls out and uh, two, two girls uh, and my wife. uh, So three girls in the family (laughs) and uh, (laughs) doing some hiking and trail running with them, kind of getting them out outdoorsy doing stuff. Um, so those are the things that I keep myself busy with is um, just getting out and being outside, whether it's fishing, hiking, camping, biking, um, just being active. I love being active. And um, that's kind of been the busy part of my life is doing that for myself and sharing that with my family. Is coaching a thing in your future? Man, um, I yeah, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> I do miss football. I miss, um, mm. you know, being a part of that. Um. I can envision myself really enjoying coaching. Um, I would love the challenge of seeing if I'm any good at it. Um, I feel like I have some knowledge to share and I'd love to see if I could get good at coaching. Um, But the only thing that kind of keeps me from jumping into that is just a time commitment. Um, Mm -hmm. Man, those guys work so much. They, I mean, they're, they're working seven days a week and, you know, from early morning till late at night, they don't get to see their families very much for six months of the season. They don't get very many days off, yeah. uh, at least as a player, you know, we're, we have the four and a half hour rule. So, yeah. um, you know, we're done, you know, you started, I mean, you're, you're there a little bit before and a little bit after, and you're putting some time in at home and all that, but you definitely have some hours during the day where you can, you know, get away from football and do something and, and, you know, be with your family. And then, you know, we at least get one day off a week after, after a game. So different, different playing than coaching. Coaching is, is a lot more time commitment. Uh, my, my kids are 11 and seven, and I just don't know if I want to mm-hmm. be away from them that much, you know, while they're young. So it's, it's on hold right now. Hey, I'd say you uh, earned the time off a great CFL career, a great football career, and now going into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame in September. Ricky, hey, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us, and congratulations again on getting that call to the hall. And, hey, we'll hope to see you at another Great Cup one of these days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's the funnest part. You know, whether you're playing in it or you're just going up there to, to be a fan is, is being there for the – the week of the great cup and, you know, doing yeah. all the parties and stuff. Sometimes it's funner not being in it. Cause you get, yeah. <laughs> get to enjoy some of that and not, not worry know about it. playing in the game. But <laughs> yeah, I just want to say, man, I mean, uh, obviously the CFL is a huge part of my career and, um, you know, I'm just so thankful that I got my start in Edmonton with such a great franchise, um, with some great teams really allowed me to kind of get my foot in the door and, and, and have success right away, you know, with, with those great teams that we had, I, I just had to go out there and do my job and enough great players around me to, mm-hmm. to win some football games. And, you know, I just want to thank all the, the fans and, um, you know, coaches and people who supported me along the way, obviously it meant a lot. And, uh, you know, even my time in Toronto playing for, you know, another great franchise that I think has the most great cup championships, yeah. um, with great, great history and tradition. And, uh, met a lot of great people out there and, and great coaches and teammates. And, um, uh, man, that's what it's all about is when you, when I look back on my career is all those moments, um, 
you know, playing in those big games together, you know, practicing, doing stuff outside of football. I mean, it's just, it's just the whole experience that makes it so much fun and so much, so rewarding to, to look back on. So a lot of people to thank. Awesome. Thanks, Ricky, and uh, have some fun uh, back in the wilderness or whatever you're going to do. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Great talking with you. T- talk to Thanks, you soon. Yeah. See ya. Big thank you once again to the great Ricky Ray for coming on the Two and Out podcast this episode. One of us, one of us. Like we've we've gotten abandoned in Regina by buses. We get it. That <laughs> I can't believe that the starting quarterback in that weekend's championship game was abandoned twice. Twice. <laughs> Both in Regina in 2003 and Vancouver. Maybe make a phone call. (laughs) Help a guy out. This happened to us when uh, in Regina they started. Hamilton got stomped. Yeah, shut out, I think. Yeah. Yeah. They started the. It might have been the first year they started the transit in Regina. This was old Taylor Field. But the buses left 15 minutes after the final whistle, no, no exceptions. And when you're sitting at the top of the West side, it takes 15 minutes to get underneath the stands. And then you got to go to the bathroom. So you don't want to be doing the pee dance on the bus. Yeah. Bus gone. So we got There's a VIP red. <laughs> it was broken down. Cause they needed to drive the driver. Yeah. You know, this happened just a few weeks ago. It was at a game in Edmonton, the home opener against Saskatchewan. And uh, they had fireworks after the game. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I'm leaving and I run into Graham, friend of the show that uh, I ran onto, ran into under the stands. And by the time we get there, it looked like all the buses were leaving. No more fans. You're like going to the grocery shop, grocery store of my mom. She just knows everybody. It's like, oh, my God, we're still here. <laughs> So, yeah, that's my wife's like, come on, like, let's get out of here. So we go up to the bus to take us to our bus stop. We're the only people on the bus. That bus driver was rattled. He thought thought he was done for the night. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anything rivals the bus trips we had in 2013 in Regina, though. Yeah, that was a good, good Grey Cup and so good to talk to Ricky Ray. This episode of To It Out is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings than hours in a day, you are calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life, and disability coverage online anytime on any device, making it easier for them and for you. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. We'll be back on Thursday to preview week five of the CFL season. Oh, Brazilian tie and Travis Cura. I, I'm still a little hot under the collar from talking to the great Ricky Ray. So, hey, I, I sweated through that whole interview <laughs> trying to do together. Rate, review, and subscribe with your favorite podcatcher, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.